Last week, we started looking at the topic, a royal priesthood. And we said that for us to understand what a royal priesthood is about, we must understand first the kingdom agenda of God, God's kingdom agenda. And we did make it clear that the, actually the primary purpose we are here as God's people, as God's chosen people, is to advance the kingdom of God. That's our purpose here. And that intention has been clearly stated from the beginning. From the creation of man, God stated that intention. And that's why we are here. And we did make us to appreciate the fact that in God's kingdom agenda, when you read the Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26, wherever you see dominion and you see rule, know that kingdom is implied. And I want to quickly tell us that one thing, I mean, the two things that man lost after the fall in the Garden of Eden were who can make a guess of the two things man lost at the Garden of Eden? Man lost two things at the Garden of Eden. There were two clear things that man lost following the fall. Two things. Access now, to authority. Access, yes. Authority. And? Authority. And authority. Access and authority, access and dominion. Man actually lost the access and gave up the authority to someone else. That has to be made clear from the beginning. Hallelujah. If you want to understand the loss of access, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, If you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 22 says this. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out, out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out, just look at those words, he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So that was access lost, isn't it? Access to the presence. Access to where God used to meet with them. God did not cease from being the omnipresent God who is everywhere, no. But in terms of intimacy and fellowship, that was actually impeded. So, to be, so when God decided 
to progress his kingdom agenda, there are two things he, will need, he needed to restore. Access, and then access to the presence. Access to the presence. And then authority from his presence. We established that week that to command authority, you must be under authority. And obedience is key to commanding authority. And those were the things that suffered loss or ma the man actually lost following the fall. Yes. But God never abandoned his kingdom agenda. Do we remember it up to this time last week? Yes. Did we follow it up to this point last week? Yes. So when Jesus came, those were the two primary things he needed to restore. Sin was the barrier to access. So our sins needed to be forgiven. And following that, the scripture told us that he, he paved a way for us, a new way. He consecrated it for us, as we're reading from Hebrews chapter 10 last week. Do we remember that? Do we remember that? Yes. yes okay. To be a priest unto God, the distinguishing factor between a priest and every other person is ability to access or the, how do you call it, the permission to access the presence. That's what makes the difference between priests and non-priests. Whoever has access to the presence of God, whoever is given entrance into the presence of God is the priest. Hallelujah. Amen. Whoever can have access, I just want us to note this, into the presence of God for interaction, for intimacy, for fellowship. That is the priest. Amen. Is this point clear now? Yes. When Jesus came, he needed to restore access. And he did that beautifully from what we read in Hebrews chapter 10. It is not only Hebrews chapter 10 that tells us this. So this morning, I'm going to pick it from there. And then we'll come back to the authority aspect of it. Because God wants us to be established in this truth. Now... Turn with me because you will see it again somewhere else. And wherever the priesthood of Christ is mentioned, mentioned, there is something about us. And it's always a call for boldness to enter. A call for boldness to enter. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 
In Hebrews chapter 4, if you go with me to verse 14 to 16, verses 14 to 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. The, the next verse. Let us therefore, on account of this, on account of, his, of him being the high priest, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, an instruction for boldness to access the present. By virtue of him being the high priest who has gone before us, God also then gives us the invitation to come in. Amen. Amen. You know that if you are taking it from the Old Testament to see where this goes beyond the Old Testament, you will know that it's only the high priest who is allowed into the holies of holies. I hope you know. Eh? Yes. Okay. And all the others, they are still within the periphery of the holy place. But the holy of holies, which is called the most holy place, only the high priests are permitted to enter there. And this takes us, this is where God's purpose for us is far greater than anything he had ever done in the Old Testament. Entrance into the present, into the holies of holies. was a limited permission. Hallelujah. But since Christ entered in, there's an invitation for all of us to enter exactly into the, into the same place. Because he prayed, he said, where I am, so that there also they may be. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10 that we read last week, which I don't want us to go into, clearly says so. That the most holy place is the place where God has invited us to, into the very presence. With no other person actually needed to stand in between us and God. Uh, one man of God once, uh, when he was referring to this truth, once said, uh, sometimes when you teach this, it's as if you want to pray yourself out of relevance. And it, it has to be so. Amen. No, the reason Amen. is important is that this is what is called the priesthood of all believers. Where we can support ourselves to enjoy the presence, but you don't need somebody else as one who has been redeemed to stand between you 
and the most holy place. Hey, does that not make? Does that not look very uh, what you call it interesting? It does. Is, does. It is a life transforming truth. Mm-hmm. What that then means is that we can have fellowship together in His presence, but no one else, whether regardless of the title has more qualification to come into the very present than yourself. Amen. Just as you will expect some men we have rated so highly to receive answer from the presence, you have actually the same qualification to receive exactly the same thing and even more from the presence of God. Amen. This truth is liberating. This truth sets men free. It gives confidence. That's why I say, come boldly. Don't come in a timid manner. And this clearly tells us that as a believer, as a believer, as one who has partaken of the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, don't abandon your place for someone else. Don't hire a prayer contractor for yourself. You don't have to, and this is the truth, you don't have to travel to a particular place and meet a particular person for your prayer to be answered. And you will understand this truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Because we have cheated ourselves for far too long. We are actually, we have been repeating in the church of God the same mistake that the children of Israel made. When they told Moses, said Moses, we don't want to hear him for ourselves. You go, whatever he tells you, we will do. You enjoy the presence, and whenever you come out, we will all clap for you. And whatever you tell us, that's what it is. God invites you, if you belong to this chosen generation and you belong to what we call this royal priesthood, the first thing you need to know and you need to know, and that's why I'm repeating it this morning, even though we said it last week, is that you have access to the most holy place. Thank you, Lord. So what everyone can, anyone else can receive from the presence you are also entitled to receive from the person. Mm. Whatever privilege anyone else who has admired in your life can get from the presence, you are entitled to exactly the same. Mm. If 
anyone has ever manifested any authority that you have seen in your life, are you following me? Mm-hmm. When we come to the authority aspect of it now, you will get it. You are also qualified for exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Do you know the difference between us? Confidence in the presence. Mm-hmm. Because I come boldly. What is different between all of us is the confidence we manifest in the presence. Mm-hmm. None of us is less a child of God than another. Is someone being blessed with this teaching this morning? Amen. Yeah. This is yeah. where God wants to bring all of us to because we must come to this. Mm. What ministry spirits are meant? Sorry. What ministry gifts are meant to do for us? That is the frontline ministry: apostle, prophet, you know, uh, evangelist, teachers, and pastor. What they are meant to do is to facilitate is to build our faith to this point where all of us can see ourselves equally in his presence. Where we all can with unfair or unveiled faces behold the glory of God and be transformed and be exactly like him. Where we all can carry exactly the same glory. As the men and women of God who have gone before us, who we admire. Amen. 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 This is what it means to belong to the royal priesthood. I'll come to the royal aspect of it, but this priesthood is very, very important. Don't mortgage your place to another. Hmm. We respect our older brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers in the Lord, but we must never at any time make them to take our own place in the presence. It is not correct. Come with me so that we don't make the same mistake again. This priesthood issue, this priesthood of all believers is very important because when it comes to kingdom agenda, which we shall be advancing further this morning, I'm still continuing on the kingdom agenda of God this morning. If you put it as part two, that's fine. God's kingdom agenda, part two. That'll be fine. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20. It's a mistake we must never make, but we keep on making it. And that is why God needed to say something about it today. Uh, Okay. Uh, Someone to read for me from verse 18. Verse 18 would be good. Anyone who wants to read for me from verse 18, you can read to verse 21 and understand the mistake the people made, which we must not make, because you belong to a royal priesthood. The Levitical priesthood is over. Are you following me? We now have a royal priesthood where all of us can partake 
of the presence equally based on your level of confidence of approach. Are you getting what I'm trying to talk about? So yeah. the implication of that is this. If you are enjoying this, the access, I should be able to take a word from you as though I'm taking it from the fathers who raised me up in the Lord. Are you getting me? Because even if they have had it, they will have had it exactly the same. You getting this point this morning? Yes. You are valuable in ministry to me as I will count someone else who has a position in the church, maybe by virtue of you know their role. I should be able to count the word you bring to me and say from the presence of God. I should be able to attack the same validity to it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. May our confidence be built in Jesus' name. Amen. Come boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne of divine favor. You will obtain mercy. Amen. I'm trying to all of us can receive help from the person in a time mm-hmm. of need. Mm-hmm. We need one another for a specific reason, but not for the reason of replacing some, of replacing yourself with someone else. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who that person is. Are we picking this point clearly this morning? Yes. So, Exodus chapter 20 from verse 18, and I read. Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us. And we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people repeated again. So the people, sorry. So the people stood afar off. They maintained the same position. Moses drew near the thick darkness where God is. Hallelujah. Moses drew near. The people stood afar off. Moses drew near. Others fled the presence. But actually, I believe God knew that would happen because God was trying to show us the limitation of the old covenant. I hope you know that this was after the Old Testament, old, uh, the Ten Commandments had been delivered. God was simply telling us that there's a better thing coming where everyone will have access. Where we all can with unveil faces behold the glory of God. Where we all can enjoy the liberty of access when, when the scripture says, maybe somebody should read that for me. Fe, uh, 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, if I'm not mistaken, verses 17 to 18. Am I? No, it's 2 Corinthians. Yes, it's 2 Corinthians. Let's take it from... Let's take it from... Uh, from verse 15. Maybe anyone who is reading for me can read loudly from verse 15 up at verse 18. Even to what we're simply trying to do is to make sure we don't repeat the same mistake. And the church of God continues to repeat this. The people of God continue to repeat this mistake. But this is the truth God wants us to go with. You belong to a royal priesthood. You have access to the presence. Somebody to read from verse 15. Yes? Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their heads. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Go on. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord with the Spirit. Amen. So we must not behave like those who were in the Old Testament, who put a barrier before between themselves and God? No. We must be a people who are enjoying the liberty of the spirit. When he says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The liberty is talking about there is no freedom to do just anything. No, that's not the one he's talking about there. It's not liberty to just. You know, it's not it's not a license for to be loose. What is talking here, if you look, if you follow the reading, is about liberty, freedom of access, freedom to enter, freedom to participate in the presence, right in the most holy place. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all, without exemption. Amen. So don't exempt yourself. Don't stand afar off. Come in. Come boldly. Hallelujah. That's where the high priest has for us gone. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6 as I conclude this issue of access here. So we must never, never, never as children of God, compromise our place in the presence for anything, any, anything else. 
or substitute someone else in our own place. If you do, then there's still an element of grace you can continue to. If you believe that until you meet a particular person, you go to a particular place, God will continue to have mercy on you, but you'll be operating from the outside courts and others will be enjoying the presence and whatever blessing they bring, they give it to you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you get the point Amen. I'm trying to make in that place? So you have access, just like anyone else. Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6 this morning, let's quickly just some of this. Yes, uh, talking about how it is impossible for God to lie. When he gave a promise to Abraham, he fulfilled it. You know, by two immutable things, it is impossible for God to lie. Then somebody to go down to uh, verse 19 for me, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20. If you are not getting it, I'll read it. Verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind where, where the did it enter? Where is that hope anchored in? Right in the presence. It presence. enters right into the presence. Yeah. Yes, go on. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even okay. Jesus. Okay. Having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. The forerunner has entered for us. Now, if they say it's a forerunner who has entered into the presence for us, what does that mean? When they call him forerunner, what does it mean? If somebody says forerunner, what does it mean? He's gone ahead of us. He has gone ahead of us. Yes, and what does that mean to us? He has conquered for us. Yes, he has conquered for us. What does that mean? I'm still looking for a word. He's he has our leader. access for us. Sorry? He's a leader. He has opened the access for us to enter. He has opened the access for us to enter. Does anybody still want to add something? That's very correct. Pave way. Sorry? To pave way. To pave way. Yes, that's exactly, that's correct. Now, if he has been, if, if he has gone ahead as a forerunner, huh? that means we are expected to join him. We are expected to follow. So, as he entered, other people are expected. Where he has entered and been expected there. When somebody foreruns for you, which means he has only gone ahead of you because you are still being expected. Jesus has entered into the very presence as a forerunner for us so that you can join in. So that I can join in. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Him being a forerunner is an invitation for us to come in. The very presence. 
Brothers and sisters, a priest is no different from any other person without the presence. The distinguishing factor between a priest and any other person is the presence, is access to the presence. Amen. Now that this has been well understood, can we go to the... Now let's turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. So that I can pick the authority aspect of it as we now look at this uh, idea of a royal priesthood. So I'm going to go to the authority aspect of it now. Two things. So it says, verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take this, this scroll and to open its seal, its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. Verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Now, we go to the aspect of, so we've, we've seen how he has made us priests. Is that correct? Is how he has made us priests correct? Yes. Clear to yes. all of us now? Yes. Okay, because he paved the way for us through his own blood so that we can gain access. So that establishes us forever as priests. Whether we are now Enjoying our priestly, our priesthood as we ought to is a question of discussion at another time. But know as a believer, the moment you are, you are saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a priest. The matter of what you do with your priesthood is a question of discussion at another time. Every believer is a priest because of access into the very presence. And that will fulfill what we read from Exodus chapter 9, remember? From verse 4 down to 6. A kingdom of priests. So that first aspect is, is done. So we said the other thing, apart from access, man also, in a sense, relinquished the dominion, the authority, the kingdom authority, that's what you call dominion. Dominion is kingdom authority that God gave him to someone else who did not waste time to use it. That person did not waste time at all. When we have a Bible study, which is not a preaching for one hour like this, I will show you how he had used it. But for today, I just want you to know that when man actually sinned, he relinquished the authority that God had given him to someone else. Actually, God did not take it back. Someone else took it. Amen. Amen. 
and he started propagating his own agenda very quick. Because whoever controls a territory is the king of the territory. Let's now look at look. So we are looking at this issue now about this kingdom and the issue of kings. If you look, go to Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 5. I want someone to read this one from me from whom? Verse 5. To seven verses five to seven. Understanding God's kingdom agenda. Why Jesus needed to do something to bring us to make us kings. Yes, go on. Verses five to seven. Verse 5, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Did you get that, that claim there? Did you notice that Jesus did not argue with the devil yes. on, that, on that point? Because it was part of his agenda. He knew it. The devil actually just played, just exposed himself in that temptation. He said, do you see all these kingdoms? He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. All the kingdoms of the world. And the glory of it. I said, if you can bow down, if you can worship me, they will be yours. All will be yours. He said, because it had been given to me, the authority over them, has been delivered to me. Who delivered it? I hope you, remember, you, you understand what the devil was stating there. It was delivered where? In the garden. In the garden of... It was delivered. It was relinquished. It was handed over. That's what it meant. It was handed over to me. The devil knew it. Although man was ignorant of what he was trying to do. Just the way, you know, you remember the way Jacob collected the, the birthright of Esau? Somebody knew the importance of something, the other person didn't know. Exactly the same way the devil did here. He tricked man and he collected, he made man to hand it over to him. And with that, the enemy started propagating his own agenda, his own kingdom. Whoever can worship the enemy is ready to give them something. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, maybe one other thing we need to understand is that worship is important to authority. Worship. Worship is very important when it comes to authority. We'll go there later. And that's why we cannot compromise worship. Amen. Worship is key to authority. He knows it. 
Say, you bow down. You just worship me. And this authority will be yours. And Jesus, no argument. Simply sent, sent him packing. Because that agenda, that matter will be solved another time. The time to solve it is coming. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So, the enemy from here, all I want you to, tell you to understand that the enemy got something from man and he used it to establish his own kingdoms everywhere in the world. Kingdom is about dominance. Kingdom is about whoever has control of a territory. I hope you knew that was what we said the other time. It's whoever has control over a territory that is the king of the territory. No argument at all. And with the authority that man handed over by himself to Satan, the devil did not waste time at all, like I said. Anytime the devil has opportunity, he wants to get control of family, he wants to get control of individual lives, he wants to get control of uh, marriage, he wants to get control of education, he wants to get control of... Control is about... Kingdom is about control. It's about who rules. It's about who takes the decision, who takes the... who calls the shot in an organization. In culture, the devil wants to, to dictate the pace. In fashion, he wants to dictate the pace. Even in worship. Ah, you may say, oh, maybe worship or, uh, where they set up some shine. No, 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 no. Even in the church, he wants to come in. And because once he can take control of it, he's the king. If you know how much the enemy has done to penetrate, even in what we, we call church, to get control of altars and worship, you'll be surprised. Amen. Amen. He wants to establish himself. And wherever he sees room to establish and propagate himself, he will utilize it. But God also has a purpose. God has a purpose. So the devil set up his own kings, people to whom he has bestowed, some authorities and so on, we'll look at that another time. But all I just want you to know is that the kingdom founded and established and propagated by the wicked one can be found every, in many places and in every place. The kingdom agenda of God is about taking back those territories, it's about reclaiming those domains that the enemy Drag over and control even till now. Amen. Amen. You are here and I am here to make sure that wherever the enemy seems he has gained control now, are you getting me? We can exercise a higher authority to overturn the situations there. Are you following me? Yeah. Yes. Again, control in those places. Amen. Amen. So Amen. Gathering together and saying we are church. No. 
being a church is about understanding kingdom agenda and being part of that agenda of God. Know that the matter of kingdom has to do with dominion. Whoever has a superior authority over a territory is the king of the territory. Amen. Amen. So Amen. the authority, the presence of God and the authority of God can be established is where the kingdom of God is. It takes the presence to have the authority. And it takes the authority to establish rule and control, which is what we call kingdom. Is this, is this, is this point I'm making clear? Yeah. Yes. Turn with me to Matthew 12 as we begin to round up somewhere. You have an assignment, brother. I have an assignment. And we can never, we cannot afford to remain the same again. Obviously, when Jesus came, he came with authority. But there is one that is meant for us that he needed to reclaim from the enemy. I will get that as we go on. But look at what he said. You cannot announce the kingdom without an authority. No one can propagate kingdom without authority because you must, you, what the, our assignment is to overthrow an existing authority to establish divine authority. And that is why no one can propagate or advance the kingdom of God without being a man of authority, without being a woman of authority. It takes authority to displace an authority. It takes authority to overturn an authority. Are you following me? It takes a superior authority to overrule and undo another authority or whatever they have done or established. That is why we have to be kings in order to propagate the kingdom. Jesus knew that. Let's turn to Matthew 12. I know. And all of us will rise up from here, beginning to use our authorities in our homes, in our families, telling the devil, you cannot take authority in my place. You cannot gain control in my house. You cannot gain control here. Amen. I'm a king. And the kingdom of God starts with me. You can't gain control over my life, number one. You cannot gain control over my family, number two. And then we can then begin to advance that and advance that. Because it says of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. But it must start from somewhere. You remember Mr. Nimrod, we read that time, said the beginning of his kingdom. Yeah. Your home, your house, your life is the beginning of the kingdom of God for you. Amen. Amen. And then you can then begin to establish it and extend it over your children. Over you just continue to go until the enemy bows. Yes. And he knows he has to bow yes. because you know who you are and you know what you have. Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12, 
Did I say Matthew chapter 12? I think I'm right. Am I there? Oh, sorry. I just found myself in Mark. Take it from here another time. It says, um, sorry, quickly. Right, I found where I'm going. Can someone read for me? Let me see what verse that is. Uh, 27. Okay. Verse 27. Let's go to 27 because that helps me. That will help us to go quickly. Verse 27. Matthew 12, 27. Please, let's quickly do that. We have just two minutes to round up this. And And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? Yeah. So then, there will be your judges. 28 now. 28? Yes, now. Yeah, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Can you see that? You you have to drive out. Oh, are you getting to a point now? You need to overthrow something in order to establish the kingdom. It takes authority to establish the kingdom. And that becomes clearer in verse 29. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man and then he will plunder his house? You get that now? So the way to establish kingdom means you must have an authority to overthrow an existing authority. Then you can turn things around the way you want it. You can liberate those who are in captivity because you know you have an authority to overthrow. Are you following me? You have overthrown the governing authority in order to take over. You know when they do coup d'etat, you overthrow a regime and another regime now imposes themselves and change. they change whatever they want to change. Even if it's a coup d'etat, what's a government is finished, it's on, and another government comes in. They are in charge. Amen? They can then undo whatever they thought was not well done in the, other, in, the, in the first instance, but they must have the authority first. You cannot do it when you don't have the authority. Brothers and sisters, the reason we have been made king, a people to have authority, is simply because we need authority to overthrow existing authority which are actually, I mean, now, as of today, is an illegal authority. Before, it has some legality. But today, it is illegal. But the devil will never tell you that he has lost a battle until you put him to it, until you challenge him. You are not getting that point? The devil will never tell you that he has lost. The devil never admits loss until you challenge him. When Jesus died and he rose again, 
I could have gone to another place. But when Jesus died and rose again, that's where we are stopping today. He told us something which puts authority back in our hands. As many of us as have come to know him, he puts authority back in our hands. Amen. Anywhere we go, we can challenge the enemy to the battle. We can challenge him to the task. We can tell him, you are no longer a legitimate authority. You are no longer a legitimate person here. I have the right of rule to overthrow you and to plant the kingdom of God. Because I'm the king. And that mentality, we must carry it everywhere we go. Matthew chapter 28. And I'll read Mark and there we stop and I'll ask you to ponder over this very quickly. Matthew chapter 28. After the resurrection of Christ, he came. If you look, even before his resurrection, he gave authority to the people. He said, go and preach the kingdom of God because if you don't have authority, you cannot proclaim the kingdom. Kingdom is about authority. So look at what he said, just to round off for this morning, Matthew 28, as we close. And I'll read just one more scripture. Matthew 28 says, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority has been given to me. When Jesus died and rose again, he reclaimed every authority, all authority, that man lost to the queen. Are you following me? All authority in heaven and all authority on the earth was given to him. Which means there's someone parading himself around that has lost it, but is not admitting to it. All authority. All. If it says all, is it not all? Is it not all? All All authority to undo the works of the devil, all authority to overthrow the kingdom of hell, all authority to push the enemy out of the way has been given. Jesus reclaimed it and he gave the authority to us. He said, behold, I give you authority. Behold, I give you authority. Luke 10 verse 19. Behold, I give you authority. Whether we use it or we don't use it, it's another thing entirely. None of us as believers is without the right to exercise authority. But our right to exercise it will see where we, we miss things up. But today, by the reason of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, authority has been given back to everyone who believes. Amen. And he said, behold, I am with you. Again, presence is guaranteed. Authority and presence is what we need to advance the kingdom of God. It's what we need to 
overthrow the enemy is what we need to establish the counsel of God everywhere in our lives, in our homes, in our community, and in the nations of the world. He said, Go ye, because we are a people of authority, we are a people of presence. And whosoever has authority is the king. Do we understand how Jesus has made us kings? Yes. And this, finally, Mark 11, is what he expects us to be doing, and he expects you and I to be doing, wherever we go as kings. How do you want us to use our authority? What is it that we need? And I'll read from now, uh, I'll read now as we close, finally, from verse 17. And this sign shall follow them who believe. In my name, authority works in his name. We'll talk about in my name, what he meant by in my name another time. For and on behalf of me. That's what it means, in my name. Are you getting me? It's like someone sent you as a delegate, go and represent me. Go and stand on my behalf. So when we say in the name of Jesus, are you following me? We are saying for and on his behalf. Hallelujah. Amen. When you, you are rebuking the enemy and say, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. You are simply saying, I stand for and on his behalf. When it comes to a request from God, it's another thing. Let, but this one, we are saying for and on his behalf. You are representing him. We are kings representing the king of kings. And so he said, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, rather. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. Amen. They will lay hands upon the sick, and they will recover. Authority to overthrow and to undo the works of the enemy is ours. Hallelujah. Amen. When you say they lay hands on the sick, they will recover. That's undoing the works of the enemy. Casting out demons is overthrowing. Brothers and sisters, we are people of authority. Don't let us mortgage our authority. Don't let us submit it to the enemy. Let's go ahead and use the authority that he has bestowed upon us to do what he wants us to do. We need the presence. We need the authority to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. If we want to fulfill our purposes on earth, this is what we need. These two things, we must carry them as we go. The presence and the authority. Access to the presence and authority. And what we need to use it to do is to use it to overthrow, to throw down, and to plant and establish that which is the plan and the will of God. This is how the kingdom of God is going to come. And this is how his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through your hand and through my hand. Bow down your heads as we pray together.